Hi everybody, thank you so much for checking out our podcast. If you'd like to know more about us or connect with us, then please do go to our church website and we would love to get to know you some more. Here's today's message. We hope it blesses you, encourages and inspires you. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about celebration, about practicing the art of celebration. Who knows, when good things happen, it's great to celebrate. Uh, Yesterday, I was playing football for the first time in eight years, so if you see me walking around a little bit gingerly, uh, that will be why. Um, But do you know what? The ball broke to me on the edge of the box. And like a more stylish David Beckham, I whipped in across. The crowd went mental with anticipation. The forward knocked the header into the back of the goal. The arms went up in the air. The crowd went wild. We celebrated because a good thing had happened. And then the referee put his son Hal flag up and it was all offside. And I fell on the floor, protested, cried a little bit, but still the result didn't stand and we didn't score any of the goals. But when good things happen, it's natural to celebrate. We believe that our God is good. And so what we're doing in this series is thinking a little bit about if God is good, how can we then join in with the art of celebration and celebrate the goodness of God together? Last week, we started this by saying that if we're celebrating God's goodness, then the first point of that is to be filled with the joy of God, to choose to be joyful as we stand in the goodness of God. And today, we are going to be looking at John chapter 2 together and uh, Jesus' wonderful, well-known story to many of us, I'm sure, of him turning water into wine. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the theme of getting the party started. So uh, by the end of the service today, I expect us all to be up on the chairs, dancing around, um, getting uh, the party well and truly started. But who knows? Let's see what God will do. But if you've got your Bibles with me or with you, and if you'd like to turn with with me to John chapter 2, we'll listen to the word of God together and then spend some time thinking about it this morning. So John chapter 2, starting at verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars and the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then keeps the the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. When Jesus 
What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Before we go any further, let's spend some time in prayer together. Uh, Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus, for the wonderful things that he did, the wonderful way in which he revealed himself and yourself to us, that we might know you, that we might grow in our relationship with you, that we might celebrate your goodness. And so, Lord, this morning as we gather and as we consider this, t- this passage together, we just pray for your leading and your guiding. Would you speak to our hearts? Would you speak to our minds? And may we know you more and more as we engage with you through your word, we pray. Amen. I love a good party. It doesn't just have to be on a football pitch, but I think one of my favorite kinds of parties are wedding parties. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of being able to join in with an international wedding party on Zoom, and uh, it was a wonderful opportunity to be able to celebrate with the couple and with their families, and there was a real party atmosphere. But as I sat in my office looking at my Zoom screen, I couldn't help but feel like I was missing out a little bit. As I looked at the screen, there was dancing and cheering, there was music blaring out, there was amazing food clearly being served, um, and uh, it made me hungry just thinking about it. The whole event was just full of joy and celebration and hope and expectation. We have some weddings coming up in our church this year, and uh, I can't wait to be able to join in the celebrations as couples come together to make promises to one another and to God and then set out in their new lives as husband and wife together. But sometimes, and especially in our culture today, often I can find myself going to a wedding service, and it almost feels like the wedding service is the bit that needs to be endured before the party really gets started afterwards. And in fact, do you know what? Sometimes that image isn't just true of our wedding services. Sometimes that image can be just, uh, of, true of our churches as well. As we talked about last week, just imagine it, what it would be like if people saw the church not just as a place to endure on a Sunday, but as a place that was full of joy, the most joyful place in town, the most joyful place that they knew. God is good, and we can celebrate the goodness that we find in him and be full of joy. Church doesn't have to be dull. Church can be a party as we celebrate the goodness of God together. Not only do I love a party, but this morning I'd also like to suggest that Jesus loves a party. In our reading today, we've heard of how Jesus went and he attended this wedding in Cana. He went along to a wedding party. But this wasn't the only time we hear Jesus going off to a party. If you read the Gospels, you'll hear time and time again how Jesus went and he sat around a table meeting, eating, talking to people as they ate and as they they, um, enjoyed one another's company. Jesus did a significant part of his ministry at dinner parties. So today we are going to think about how we can get the party started. If Jesus loved to celebrate, to be in the presence of other people, to celebrate the goodness of God, 
How can we follow in his footsteps? How can we celebrate the goodness of God today? And the first thing that I think we, uh, uh, we can do as we look to uh, celebrate and join in with the art of celebration is to make time to celebrate. Right at the start of John's gospel, Immediately after the sort of introduction bit where Jesus or John introduces us to Jesus and this first part of his ministry, we come to today's passage where Jesus intends a wedding party along with his disciples and with his mum. And I think there's a lesson for us all here that we too can make time to celebrate. John could have easily introduced Jesus and then got stuck into the nuts and bolts of Jesus's ministry. Jesus himself says in this passage that his time had not yet come. And yet here we are 2,000 years later reading at the start of one of the Gospels the account of Jesus attending a party. Not only did John think that this party was important, but so did Jesus. Jesus was invited to go along to the party, but that didn't mean to say he had to accept that invitation. Uh, If there was one person who had a good excuse to not attend that party, it was probably Jesus. Uh, You can imagine some of the uh, responses that he might have given. So, hey, Jesus, do you fancy coming to join me at uh, at my wedding party today? I'm sorry, mate. I'd love to be there, but I don't know if you've heard. I'm here to transform the world, and I've got about three years to do it. Time's pretty busy. I'm not going to be able to make it to your party today. Or, hey, Jesus, do you want to come and celebrate with me at my wedding party today? Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I couldn't possibly do that. I've come to heal the, li- the, the sick and the lame and the poor. I've not got time to be drinking wine with you at your party. Or, hey, Jesus, do you want to come to my wedding party? I don't know if you know this, mate, but I'm kind of a big deal, you know? Son of God, uh, how about you go and invite some other people that you know are just too busy? I'm sorry, I can't be at your wedding party today. Jesus could have found so many reasons to not go to that wedding, yet he made the time to celebrate. He made the time to be present for those who had invited him. He made the time to get stuck not just into his mission, but also to be able to get stuck into living his life, to be able to live, getting stuck and celebrating with others the goodness of God that was happening around him. This, though, the new year is often a time where we set goals or reflect on the year ahead of us and what we'd like to see happen and achieve. It's a time to pause and reflect. And I wonder this year if we need to set ourselves some celebration goals. Maybe we could set some time to think about how we're actually going to take time to celebrate God's goodness this year. Maybe once a month you could invite people over for a dinner party. Or maybe once a month you could gather together and celebrate some of the good things that have happened that month or whatever it might be. How might you make some time to celebrate this year? What do you want to make time for that you might not otherwise make time for? If we want to celebrate the goodness of God, then we need to make time to enjoy the party and celebrate God's goodness to us. 
We also see the character of Jesus in these verses too. Jesus was invited to the party. Granted, he was invited with his mother, uh, which isn't necessarily the most cool thing to be invited to a party with, but nonetheless, he was invited to go to the party. Jesus was not some sort of holy social introvert or some holy party pooper that sort of people respected, but they didn't want to, they thought he might ruin the party. Over Christmas, I was reading a book of a guy who clearly had a gift of being able to walk into a room of all his friends, and in that space was the life and the soul of that space. There was something attractive about his character, about his personality that people just were energized about, and people wanted to be around him. And I think Jesus has this same gift and this same ability. Jesus was a deeply attractive person to be around, not in the sense that he's going to go out and get a modeling contract, but in the sense that people were drawn to him. People enjoyed his company. They enjoyed his conversation. They respected him. People wanted to invite Jesus to their party. There's often the question we ask ourselves, what three people would you invite to your dinner party? I wonder, would Jesus be on our list of inviting him to our dinner party? Would we be honored and excited to have Jesus as a guest at our wedding party? Or would we maybe find that a little bit awkward? A little bit like, oh, do you know what, church? It's not really fun over there. Jesus is, that's what I do at church, but actually... I want to celebrate and I want to do that without being guilty about what Jesus might think of me. Or would we just be thrilled to be in the presence of Jesus as we celebrate with him? Maybe you are joining in with us this morning uh, for the first time and you've heard a lot of people talking about Jesus, but you never really heard about the Jesus who went to parties before. The son of God who not only died for us, but also the Son of God who parties with us. This year, may we catch a fresh glimpse of who Jesus is. May we see again the joy and the goodness of who he is. And as we do so, may we take the time to celebrate his goodness with him. If we are to get the party started and celebrate the goodness of God, then not only do we need to make time to celebrate, but we also need to listen to Jesus. In verse 5, we have this wonderful exchange between Jesus and his mother, and Mary comes and tells uh, the servants, having told Jesus that there was no wine left, uh, Mary says to the servants, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. It's an incredibly simple statement, but also a hugely incredible, powerful one, not least in the way it demonstrates Mary's faith in who Jesus was. But imagine the scene for a moment. The party is underway. Everyone's having a wonderful time. The music's blaring. The the food is flowing. The wine is flowing. Everyone's having fun. In the Jewish culture, weddings could have lasted up to seven days, so the party had been going for some time. By this point, there was a real buzz and atmosphere in the, in the party. And then all of a sudden, someone realizes that the wine is running out. 
Now, this would have been a major social nightmare. It wasn't uncommon for when stuff like this to happen, that the guests would take the host to court for not providing enough wine for the party. This was a major social faux pas by those who were planning and organizing the party. Mary was clearly in some way involved in the planning and coordination of this party as she becomes aware of the need for more wine. And so she brings the issue before Jesus. She doesn't tell Jesus what to do. She just makes him aware. And then she goes on and then she says to those around her, do whatever he tells you. And as I read this, it struck me that imagine if we prayed a little bit more like that. It can be so easy for us to pray and for us to tell God what we think he should do or what we want him to do. But maybe instead we could take a leaf out of Mary's book from time to time. And instead of telling God what to do, we could just present the situation. Say, God, we know you see this. Have your way. Tell us what to do and we will do it. As Jesus responds to Mary, he tells the servants to start filling these great, huge stone water jugs with water. And as we've heard, the water then gets turned into wine. Later in John's Gospel, in uh, chapter 10, we're told that Jesus came to give life and to give life in all its fullness. Jesus is good. Jesus wants to bless us. He wants to, us to know and to celebrate the goodness of God in our lives. But will we listen to him? Will we do whatever he tells us to do that we might encounter that life in all its fullness that he longs to share with us. Doing what Jesus tells us to do might make no sense. Um, I can imagine the servants pouring all that water into those great big huge stone jugs were thinking, what am I doing this for? What is the point of pouring all this water into these stone jugs? It's wine that we need. Water isn't going to cut, cut it. Sometimes listening to Jesus involves us recognizing that he knows better than we do. Listening to Jesus means actively laying down our own thoughts, our assessment of the situation, and faithfully following Jesus's instructions instead. But one thing we can be sure of is that Jesus's instructions will never disappoint us. No matter how crazy or unorthodox life might be with Jesus, Jesus always reveals his goodness in our lives and he blesses us with life in all its fullness. Jesus is full of of joy and goodness. He wants us to celebrate life, to marvel in the wonder of the life and the creation that he has given to us. Jesus wants us to live life in all its fullness. But will we listen to him? Often today when people think about Jesus, they often think of 
all the rules and all the, the expectations of what is expected of people as Christians, as followers of Jesus. And yet Jesus does give us guidelines to live by. Jesus shows us the ultimate example, the ultimate way to live our lives, that we might know the goodness of God in our lives. However, there's a misunderstanding that when Jesus gives us rules, it's not out of some legalistic killjoy sense of, uh, of, of vindication of trying to get one over us that we're missing out. Jesus gives us rules that we might thrive, that we might make the most of li- out of life, that we might know life in all its fullness. Jesus may advise us to not store up a mountain of cash for ourselves so we can sit on it and enjoy life, but instead he wants us to be rich in generosity, in seeing how you can use that money in the, and be a blessing to others as well as just to yourself. Jesus doesn't want to encourage us just to go out and have as much sex with as many people as possible because Jesus knows that we are created for intimacy. Intimacy with God, intimacy between husband and wife, lots of sex with lots of people might feel good in the short term. But there are countless and endless stories of people who've had all the sex, all the money, all the influence that they could have, but are ultimately missing that intimacy that they have been created for. Jesus might encourage us to forgive others who have wronged us. He might encourage us to talk people up instead of joining in with the office gossip and talking people down but he only encourages us to live this way that we might experience and live in the goodness of who we are created to be, that we might live our lives in the fullness of life that Jesus has created us and God has created us to live. So if you want to get the party started, if you want to celebrate the goodness of God, will you listen to Jesus? Will you hear what he says? Will you do what he says? I can assure you that if you listen to Jesus this morning, you will never be left disappointed. And if we are willing to make that commitment, if we're willing to say, Jesus, I want to listen to you, to do what you say, I can promise you that not only will the party get started, Not only will you be able to embrace life in all its fullness, but you will be able to party in style. The thing that I love most about this passage is the exuberance of Jesus's miracle. Jesus doesn't just turn water into wine, but he turns it into the best wine. He just doesn't give them enough wine, but he gives them hundreds of litres of wine. God is good and Jesus is good. He doesn't just give us wine, but he gives us the finest wine. He doesn't just give us enough to get by, but he gives us an abundance of wine. I love the generosity, care, and extravagance of Jesus contained in these verses. Not only does he bless, but he blesses us with the best. He blesses us with abundance. This is fundamental to who Jesus is. 
This whole passage not only tells the story of a party that happened 2,000 years ago, but it also tells us uh, and reveals to us a far greater story as well. A common theme as you read through the Bible is that you is that is seeing the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God as a wedding banquet, a great party where God and his people come together. Jesus came to reveal the kingdom of heaven here on earth as it is on heaven. And how did he do so? Well, if we go back to verse one of the passage that we read today in John chapter two, it starts with this phrase, on the third day on the third day, right at the start of his ministry, before Jesus' time had even come, Jesus knew what was ahead of him. He knew how the party would truly be started. For though Jesus was not at the start of his public ministry yet, he knew there was a time to come where on the third day, the, the greatest party in all of heaven, on all of earth, would be started. A time of great celebration where the kingdom of God would be established here on earth as it is in heaven. And ultimately, this moment came about three years later. Jesus went to the cross. He died for our sins. He died for our shame. And then on the third day, on the third day, the party started. For Jesus had risen again. And we were able to enter into a new relationship with God. The party had begun because of the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus. The power of death and evil had been defeated. We have good news to celebrate. Jesus has blessed us and he's lavished his mercy and his love and his grace upon us. He has not just given us wine, but he's given us the greatest wine. Because of Jesus, we can know that the party has begun. The kingdom of God is at hand. The great wedding banquet where God and his church are joined together is underway. So may we join in the party. May we know the goodness of God and celebrate all that Jesus has done for us. May we go and live our lives like we have been invited to the party of all eternity. May we celebrate the goodness and blessing of Jesus in our lives. And today, if you have yet to know that the wonder of Jesus and all that he's done for you on that third day, if you've not yet responded to that invitation to join in the greatest party of all eternity, can I just once again invite you to come, to come and join in the party that you might know the goodness of God in your life and party in style with him. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you and we praise you for Jesus. We celebrate Jesus and who he is, all that he has done for us. We celebrate that you have blessed us in the most wonderful and unimaginable way possible, defeating the power of sin and death, giving us all life, giving us hope, enabling us to live our lives in the fullness of who we were created 
to be. Lord, we celebrate today the blessings that you have given to us in our lives, for the ways in which you have given to us more than we could have ever dreamed or imagined, for the times where we have seen your your blessing and your abundance in our lives, where you've not just given us wine, but you've given us the best wine. And Lord, we pray that we would know you and your goodness more in each of our lives, we pray. Lord, we pray that we would make time to celebrate, to fix our eyes on the goodness of who you are. We pray that that we would make time to be able to uh, listen to you and be willing to do what you uh, have called us to do. And Lord, each day, may we continue to celebrate who you are and all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.